Today we'll be talking about the artists of our generations, how music has changed over time, and our personal favorite music. I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today we'll be talking about music. Now, for us, music is a little bit different. Uh, when we run, we like to listen to varying types of artists. And for me personally, uh, it's been a lot different than my dad over the years, especially with how I got into music and how it's changed over time with my tastes, at least. Let me just add, though. Okay. Early on, you kind of liked some of the music that I like. And, and I think today, to this day, you still do. I did. And I can credit you with sort of being the formative experience into how I learned to like other music. Yeah. Because I was very much a pop song kind of person, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember this... Uh, are you saying I'm a pop song kind of person? Oh, very much. I, I mean, am. You That's are, true. I mean, you are, eight, you are 80s pop all the way. I'm and still 80s pop. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I think that shows... Um, I think that shows a bit of static energy, which is good to have over time. It just shows how much influence that the genre had on you. But for me, I remember you would show me certain songs. And you've always been good about liking what's in the top 40. You haven't been one of those older people who's just been like, oh, come on, you know, today's music is terrible. It's not good. I remember you were the one who showed me Maroon 5. You were the one who showed me... You're welcome. Yep, exactly. Madonna, I believe uh, in the mid-2000s. And you've shown me a lot of music over time that I think has really contributed to why I like a wide range of artists, even though I kind of stick close to a certain genre. But those car rides on the way to Elon Elementary, I mean, I remember those songs like the back of my hand. So uh, I have to say that some of those artists are still in circulation today and doing as well or even better. So uh, for me, we're going to talk about the top five artists of our generations. So for my dad, that will be the 80s. And for me, that will be the 2000s. Now, I have a, one quick question. Okay. How is it that the 80s are my generation? How have you defined that? I would define it as sort of... The music that most influenced you as you grew up, because, for example, you went to college in the mid to late 80s, and that was sort of, you know, when you were able to understand music and the artists more and have a deeper appreciation for things. I mean, you know, when you were listening to your Walkman or when was the Walkman? Uh, Well, there was a Discman, too, which was high technology (laughs) soon, soon before my college. There was something before the iPod Nano. Uh, yes. Oh, that's interesting to yes. me. Now, I still listen to CDs, so I'm kind of old hat well, in that way, wait, too. Wait, what's a CD? Yeah, exactly. It's a compact disc. You might remember it. It was uh, right after the Laserdisc or the Betamax, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, beyond going that way, uh, the criteria for the artists of our generation is, for me, it's the music that I grew up with, and for my dad, by the same measure. He doesn't necessarily identify with some of the popular acts of the 70s, because music, especially in its pop form, kind of just became incredibly internationally well-known, I'd say, with some of these artists when world tours started going even crazier. And just, I think, you know, U2, uh, some older, some artists I remember from, like U2 is from Ireland, right? Yes. U2 is from Ireland, and I didn't even know that until maybe five years ago. I thought they were an American band. So I think it just kind of goes to show how far-reaching music has come over time. But uh, the criteria for me is these artists... They can be in any time period during the 2000s, but they have to have at least had 10 years of complete ongoing success. And with Artists of the Generation... There aren't many of those. 
Well, exactly. And that's why it's such a coveted spot. That's why it's so hard. I can't even imagine getting into the music industry. But these icon status after a while. Exactly. And these artists have, in my opinion, these artists have transcended the boundaries of, you know, what everybody thought was possible. So I'm going to go ahead and start with my first. And the first person that comes to mind for me is Drake. And now you might laugh at that. Because Drake started in about 2008 or so, and you might be like, well, he hasn't, ha- he didn't have the full early 2000s. And while that's correct, name one thing, uh, any listeners who listen to Drake very often, name one thing that he's put out that hasn't been massively popular, whether you liked it or not. I think he's been doing even better uh, than usual uh, as of lately, because uh, his album Scorpion, uh, that he dropped, it had two billion stream songs. One was God's Plan, and I guess uh, I guess I'm incorrect in that assumption. He dropped another song with Travis Scott in 2018. Well, that was the same year Scorpion came out. That also had close to a billion streams, or uh, even more. I, I have to say, I mean, he has just been everywhere. I mean, he's been in commercials. He's uh, he was sponsored by Sprite. Uh, I mean, he's collaborated with so many other artists. He's become the real fixture. For those who like rap, R&B, pop, and a little bit of different influences kind of coming together. So I got to say, Drake really takes probably the top spot, if not for my next one that I'm about to name. But what about you? In the 80s, who would you say is one of the fixtures, the leading artists of your generation? Yeah, well, there are a couple that come to mind. um, And I have to say, probably the first artist that comes to mind is Madonna. Yeah. Um, Just because I feel like more than any other artist she not only defined a decade in Mm -hmm. terms of her music but she also was able to sustain that level of success that she achieved in the 80s into the 90s and frankly into the 2000s um so i I think there's just no question that um as i think about artists of the decade yeah madonna comes to mind and and i would also say that there was uh an evolution in her music Mm -hmm. that i think is what enabled her to stay um, as popular as she had been for such a very long time. Um, What would you say the evolution was? Because when I think of Madonna, I always think of pop and maybe a little bit of dance pop. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that she started as sort of a bubblegum act. There were a lot of bubblegum acts, if you will, just sort of um, very... Um, sort of one hit wonder mall pop maybe yeah she was far more sophisticated than than that though even at the very beginning would but, you liken cindy lopper to bubblegum sort of uh, who no, else who else say, would you name in that well story? when i think of bubblegum i think of maybe artists like uh debbie gibson or tiffany who who really did the latter of whom did start in the mall i was like tiffany was mall pop right. i remember watching a goldberg's episode yes. and I, I think tiffany was sort of you know the main person that yeah. it was centered around yeah. so um i never really heard of tiffany too much i'm guessing she was she had a couple of hits um but i think with madonna the thing that i think really made her um again uh, such a lasting presence in music mm-hmm. is first of all she writes one hell of a song. I mean, she's yeah. a songwriter, yeah, and those absolutely. songs are catchy. And, uh, I mean, there's a slew of them that are just really catchy. But I also think that she transcended the um, the initial, um, maybe I shouldn't have used the term bubblegum pop, but just pop sound for a more evolved, sophisticated sound early in her career. Like in the 19, mm-hmm. 1980s, she moved from... Um, just sort of generic pop yeah. to the the True Blue album that okay. included Live to Tell, which was a very dramatic, mm-hmm. slow ballad mm-hmm. kind of song. But it also had some 
some um, evidence of real writing skill with uh. Papa Don't Preach, yeah, um, okay. which sort of had a political social commentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think people really stood up and said, oh, this is someone to take seriously. Mm. And then I think you continue, she continued that with Like a Prayer, um, which frankly is a fantastic album. You know, I heard that song for the first time after one of our mud runs and 20, it was the day of my prom, I remember. And I was like, how have I not heard this song yet? Uh, I remember the first time I heard it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was, you know, that was what, six, seven years into her career. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean the kit, the hits just keep kept coming for the longest period of time. And I remember listening to a snippet on XM radio back mm -hmm. when, before XM and Sirius Radio had, had merged, and there was a snippet from um, a talk show that she was on, and and what she said, what the soundbite was, mm. is how, every time I write a song, I think, how much longer can I keep these hits coming? And I thought to interesting. myself, that's interesting, because I would think that too, but mm. I gotta tell you, she kept them coming for a very, very very long time more than anybody well frankly, it makes in my me mind. it's so interesting to hear that because when you think of madonna you think of this just incredible just always successful uh pop star um but you never think about what their you know what their nerves are like or what's yeah. what's going on inside their head maybe they're getting anxious because i remember checking her net worth so long ago and it was like 800 million yeah. Yeah. 800 million mm -hmm. which is crazy to me yeah. but well she's I, a business person it is, and you know. I think we sort of put these stars on a pedestal sometimes, and we think, you know, they're not like us. We don't think they're inhuman, but we sort of view them as these superheroes who have attained larger-than-life things, which they have. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they're people like us who have just achieved extraordinary things, and that's why the masses sort of, you know, why the population sort of gravitates to them. Yeah. And I, there's sort of an allure about that. Yeah. And so when you see their human side in interviews and, you know, that stuck out to you, I think that just sort of connects us more uh, with them on a human level. Yeah. But it, it's interesting because whenever uh, an artist or a celebrity dies, I'm, sometimes you know, sometimes I, I get kind of sad with that. For example, Chris Cornell, he was uh, frontman for Soundgarden and uh, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> an audio slave, and he was one of the big uh, grunge rocker sort of uh, people <laughs> in the '90s, and you know, he moved into success in the 2000s. I've I still miss Chris Cornell kind of a lot and he uh passed away in 2017 mm -hmm. uh i miss him a lot but it's weird because i never knew him not even not even a sliver i only listened to his music and i think there's something kind of beautiful about that being able to say that you might not never you might not ever see somebody in person or even have a real connection with them but the lasting impact on their music and on you, their legacy towards you kind of speaks to I guess, you know, missing somebody in general. And there was one quote from a TV show I watched. It was just, it was, it was, I think it was in seventh grade. It was regular show. Do you remember when I used I to do. watch that? I do. They said, we can't touch music, but music can touch us. Yeah. And as goofy as that is, I think that's, it's true. Think about yeah. how important music is in our lives. How many times have you heard a song and remembered where you were when you heard that song at a certain point, or, or maybe you got to get to, Maybe you got to be 29 years older before that starts happening to you. But in my, I mean, I, I reflect on my childhood or my adolescence, my teenage years, frankly, even into my 20s. And I think I remember exactly where I was when I once heard that song. Um, the other thing I'll say before I turn it back to you for mm -hmm. your, your second artist is what you just said about Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell, yes. Um, three of the five artists that I'm going to name during mm -hmm. this podcast 
are no longer with us. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. I think what it, it does to you is it, it in, a, in an odd way, even though you don't know them, mm-hmm. uh, their music is such a part of your life and what you appreciate. Right. Right. That knowing they're no longer with us leaves a bit of a void because you know they're not... I mean, you can always listen to the music that they've created, but mm-hmm. you know that there's no more future music from them. And, and in an odd way, even though you don't know them, it, that's real. Yeah. I mean, Larry King, even yep. uh, yesterday. I know. Uh, I mean, you're more well-versed on Larry King's work and everything. and um, But, I, I mean, I know to a lot of people it's a shock and it's just, you know, he lived a great long life. But at the end of the day, you know, these people leave us who leave such a lasting impact. It's interesting. It's interesting to think about. And since you said that, that soundbite that I was telling you about with Madonna uh-huh. was an interview with Larry King. How's wow. that for full circle? I mean, the <laughs> entertainment community is just well connected. Yeah. I, I mean, it it like you said, you know, small world in it. It all comes back full circle. Yeah. Speaking of full circle, we're going to be talking about another artist uh, of my generation that has just touched the masses like nobody else, and that is Kanye West. Now, Kanye West started, I believe, in 2004 with the college dropout, and uh, he, I mean, what, what can I say? Honestly, it, uh, his first two albums were uh, absolutely critically lauded and commercially successful, and uh, he released Graduation in 2007, uh, and maybe late registration in 2005, but it took him three albums, he was just on top of the world, and then he released 808s and Heartbreak after his mother passed. And that was kind of his album where he got his emotions out, and it was different. People weren't sure what to make of it, but it basically created sort of the 808 sound that people like Travis Scott have popularized, especially for a new generation, uh, the Zoomers, if you will. Um, It's just interesting because Kanye West, you know, with all his misgivings aside in the past few years, has really just changed how a popular genre like rap is able to be melded into so many different things. He made it sort of pop and a little bit alternative. And uh, he's come out with really genre-defining albums in The Life of Pablo and, uh, of course, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in 2010. And he even released a swear-free gospel album uh, in 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, which is probably his least well-received album to date. But uh, the man is an extremely successful fashion designer. He's married to Kim Kardashian, He's been in the news a long, long time. And I remember the first time I saw him was on American Idol. And he sang Heartless from his album, uh, 808s and Heartbreak. And he really hasn't stopped since. I mean, a lot of people have been turned off by what he's said in the past few years. But overall, you can't deny just how much genius he's put into his work and how much it's actually just affected how people listen to music and how artists make music, too. So I got to hand it off to him. He's another one of my artists of the generation. And I have to admit, I could not name one song by Drake, and I cannot name Heartless. Heartless. So I can name one song by Kanye West. I made you download Heartless by Kanye West. I thought you did. Yeah. Yeah. In 2008. Yeah. I feel feel my generation when I say it. (laughs) You started early on and you said, you know, I'm not someone who's just like, oh, I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to listen to the the pop hits from today. But honestly, I learn a lot about music through you because at a certain point, you do stop you stop knowing who these artists are. I mean, I can name one or two or five mm-hmm. from today's, you know, pop charts mm-hmm. or music charts. Yeah. But uh, probably because they've been around a little while, like Ariana Grande or Justin Bieber or 
Chris Stapleton or, you know. So. Yeah, of course. I mean, of, when you, you know, as you get older, your priorities change, you know, your life is kind of in the things that you enjoy when yeah. you're younger. And that's how you remember things. As you were saying, you kind of put timestamps on different parts of your life and you remember them well, vividly, maybe by the movies you watched or the music you've listened to. But uh, I have to say, when it sort of comes to that, it, it's it, it affects you a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it really mm-hmm. affects you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's your next? My next artist is, um, you can't talk about the 80s. You can't talk about music without Michael Jackson. Yeah. I mean, there's just no question that he left uh, an, amazing, an amazing legacy of music for all of us. And, um, you know, again, I, I go back. I remember the day the Thriller video premiered on MTV. When it actually played videos. 1983? Sure. Um, around that time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I would have been like a, in ninth grade or something like that. And a bunch of friends of mine and I went to a friend's house and we watched it on MTV. No way. Y- were yes. you not allowed to watch MTV at the time? Or? Oh, no, no, no. It was just we were with friends and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And, and, and I forgot. It was after school. So, yeah, it was a whole different a whole different scene. You had MTV gathering parties we, back we, then. We did. I can say it's a lot different nowadays. A lot different. But think about the songs that um, everyone knows Michael Jackson's songs. Or at least I think they do. Billy Jean. I mean, I, come on. I mean, I mean, I remember the time. Sorry. I remember the time. No pun intended. Another <laughs> Michael Jackson song. That, um, you know, he moonwalked on the Motown special. And you I, hadn't seen that before. I still go back and watch that original Moonwalk video uh, sometimes because it truly just, I, I mean, it's something else. I, I, I've i tried Moonwalking myself. I, I've looked at, I don't know what's going on with the, the laptop. Sorry <laughs> about that noise. But um, I, I've gone back and watched that video. And, you know, the lean that he did too, where he just like, it, that was crazy. It's defying gravity. Yeah, and being able to sing, dance, and I don't think he did much acting. He was in... The Wiz. He was in The Wiz, yeah. and I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, but that was tragic. I, I, there's got to be, even if you don't know, if you're not a Michael Jackson super fan, you probably know more about him than most other artists. Yeah. Because you had uh, Wanna Be Starting Something, you got Thriller, you got Bad, you got uh, Beat It, uh, Billie Jean, Man in the Mirror. Thriller. Who is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, there's just so many things that, uh, I'd say he has so much music that has affected at least one person even if you don't like all of his songs and there are four albums um so is that got, true yeah off the wall yeah Seven thriller years. bad yeah and dangerous yeah i mean there are other albums but all the hits that you know yeah by and large with the exception of scream mm-hmm. uh with janet jackson mm-hmm. which was on his greatest hits compilation mm-hmm. one of them um really come from those four albums and that's interesting, too, because in the 80s, he released two albums, and that was two Thriller albums. and Bad. Yes. That is just so wild, and I think that just goes to show, um, because I wouldn't have thought about that before. When I think of Michael Jackson, I hear all these hits. Mm-hmm. I think of all these songs probably spread across that's different albums. every album. Bad was the first album in history to spawn five number one singles. Yeah. Um, in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Bad, uh, not, yeah, bad mm-hmm. is not as strong an album as thriller Mm -hmm. so i mean it was just if you need proof that lightning can strike strike twice yeah all you have to do is look at michael jackson's career in the 80s yeah really and that brings me to another sort of topic of conversation separating the art from the artist Mm -hmm. i've had to do that so uh full disclosure i listen to a lot of metal and rock and let me tell you as most people can understand if they've watched uh, a movie you know biopic or read a biography 
Rockers are no saints by any stretch of the imagination. And sometimes, you know, you hear about something uh, that an artist does and it can sort of change your perception of uh, them entirely for you. And just speaking about Michael Jackson, maybe some other artists, are you able to separate the art from the artist? Do you, you don't necessarily shut it out, but do you just take... 100%. The songs at face value without... So you're more of I a fan to, of the music rather yes, than the man, I, right? right? I want okay. to enjoy the music. Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, whether it's Michael Jackson or other artists mm-hmm. that we could name here um, who had some um, questionable press, I'll just say that. Certainly. Um, I can separate the two because I really enjoy the music. And, you know, I can respect the fact that some people cannot do that. Right. But for me, it's a musical experience and uh, songs I cannot get out of my head even to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I can do it. Yeah. And it's often a hot topic of debate. But, you know, I don't think I'd ever asked you that question before because it's something that I actually have a hard time doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then at other times, I can totally do it because mm-hmm. I'm just like, this music is so good. And you know and what? Then... That's fair, too. I would say that there are some artists I won't name that um, um, maybe I do have a more difficult time with. And maybe it's just because I don't like their music quite as well. I can justify it that way or excuse it that way, however you want to say it. Probably. Okay. Yeah. So uh, moving on to my next artist of the generation. This one has to go to Taylor Swift. I believe she started in... I- I'm not familiar with her. I've never heard of her. (laughs) Yes, you are. Uh, So Taylor Swift, I believe, released her first record in 2006 off of uh, Big Machine Records, something like that, as a country artist. And she had, I think, four or five hits there. I think she had Tim McGraw, which was her first hit. Um, And then she had Teardrops on My Guitar, and she had uh, 15. Actually, as cheesy as that song is, it's so good. It's so good. I've never heard it. And then Taylor Swift went on to have a really big album in 2008, and I think, you know, some hits spawned over in 2009. I remember the summer of 2008 when I was uh, going into fifth grade, listening to the radio all the time, going to baseball games and back, or just running uh, errands, going to the grocery store and back. Uh, It was, I, I have to say, I always heard Taylor Swift always, at least once every time I got in the car. And some things haven't changed. They really haven't. She's ubiquitous. You know, that was elementary school. And then I moved on to middle school when she released her first non-country-centric album, which I believe was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 23, so what am I doing? Uh, but <laughs> I know, Really, what are you doing, Noah? Oh, I, I know what you're doing. What? You're a podcast. That's what I'm saying. We have a podcast. <laughs> and a great one. Exactly. I mean, do you have a podcast, Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah, she probably does. Um, yeah, and <laughs> anyway, but I just remember uh, in ninth grade, high school too, it just went from elementary school to middle school to high school. And it's still going, and you're in graduate school. That's what I'm saying. Even college and after college, every aspect of Taylor Swift has just been complete success. I don't think she's had any album that's been a true flop. And even if it hasn't performed as well as some of her other ones, she still is a critical darling. She's loved by the media. And I have to say, to her credit, she hasn't really had any scandals, which is yeah. which is a pretty rare thing nowadays. But overall, I didn't like her more folky albums that she tried. But it just goes to show the versatility of an artist yeah. to talent. where you can. It's st- called talent, exactly. Where you start in one genre and everybody thinks of you as that, mm-hmm. and then you go to another genre and then people are like, okay, they are this genre, like pop for her. Mm-hmm. And then now she's going to a more folky, maybe mm-hmm. slightly laid back country sort of atmosphere because she can now. She can do what she wants, and for me. Taylor Swift takes that spot. I mean, she has just, I mean, uh, what what can I say about her that anybody else hasn't? Really? And it won't surprise you that my favorite album, or the album that I know the most by her, mm-hmm. 
1989. Oh, that's such a great album too. It's a great album. It was yeah. the year she was born. Yeah. And it's got one pop hit after another. Oh, she's old. She was born so, in the 80s. Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, that's a great... There's just no question. Her longevity speaks mm-hmm. for itself. Yeah. The fact that she's able to transfer her fans from one genre to another mm-hmm. to another says a whole lot about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I'm not a huge fan, mm-hmm. major respect for someone who can do that. Yeah, I'm no country fan or Nor even com- top 40 fan as much anymore. But uh, I have to say, Taylor Swift has uh, been the most accessible, yeah. I'd say. And that's the reason why she's popular. Yep. Yeah. Well, my next one is someone who is still with us, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And that is Bruce Springsteen. Yes, the All-American. <laughs> yes, the All... Well, and that's interesting that you remember him that way. That's sort of how I remember him. Because for me, I mean, Bruce Springsteen was was popular before... The Born in the USA album. But that was 1984. That was the year of the summer Los Angeles Olympics. That was his thriller though, right? That was his thriller. Yeah. As far as I can tell. In terms of mainstream success, Mm -hmm. that was his thriller. Right. Um, And that's a great song. And, you know. So, for me, Bruce Springsteen, while I wasn't as big a fan Mm -hmm. as um, I was of the other artists that I'm referencing in this podcast... Mm -hmm. I think that the fact that he has, he's always had a tremendous fan base yeah. before that, right. during that, and long since. He's one of those artists that can put out an album, mm. no hit singles, right. but people will quickly stream the album um, and download it just because it's Bruce Springsteen. Um, he's A lot of his music has really strong messages, yeah, uh, and people really respect that too. So he is, I don't know, in my mind, he's almost like a... This is going to sound funny. Probably nobody has ever said this, and I'm going to say it right here. Mm. Uh, like a like a Barbra Streisand mm. or um, a, a, a Tony Bennett. Someone who can just continue to um, uh, capture an audience yeah. decade in and decade out. And, and these people are older now. Tony yeah. Bennett's in his 90s. Yeah, that's right. And Barbara Streisand is what, late 70s? Oh, gotta be. Yeah. 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 She looks pretty good for her age. Yeah. So, you know, but again, we're talking real talent here. All yeah, of course. Of course. So, so for me, um, Bruce Springsteen is one of the, the top acts of the 80s. And I also really like the fact that Courtney Cox hmm. was in that Dancing in the Dark video. You know that's her. Courtney Cox from Friends. Yes. In the Dancing in the Dark video when he has her come up on stage. Oh, is that where she started? That's where she came from. That's so interesting. Yeah. So every time I see Courtney Cox, I think of Bruce Springsteen because, you know, and I I don't think that was completely random. I don't know. But it's a good story. And you know what else is a good story? I mean, or just hypothetical thought. If Bruce Springsteen hadn't existed the way he did, you might not know Friends or you wouldn't know Friends. That is true. As you do now. That is true. So for all you Friends fans out there, uh, thank Bruce Springsteen for bringing Courtney Cox into the fray. Yes. I want to say one more thing about two artists that I've named already. Yeah. Um, I always think it's kind of cool when an artist has a a popular song. Oftentimes, it's a holiday song. Right. Um, And, you know, a lot of artists will record a a Christmas album or a holiday album, um, which is great. Cash-ins, usually. Yeah, but it's smart. I always said if I was an artist, I would record a holiday album, too, because then as the holidays come around... Well, the songs, are written for, the songs are written for you, too. So, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Although it's nice when they do. But the point is is that Michael Jackson mm-hmm. had a, has a song that every Halloween, mm-hmm. it brings him back. Yeah. Right? Thriller right. is just that's a right. classic song. And between Monster Mash and 
Thriller, mm-hmm. I don't know of two more songs that are more associated with Halloween as a holiday. The same thing can be said for Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. On July 4th, what do we hear? Born in the Born USA. Born in the USA. And so I really like that. Um, or the 21st of September with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, okay. That yeah. Was, That's was something that late 70s? Uh, I'd say that uh, probably, but just in the same vein. I mean, I know a lot of people in college uh, were just going crazy over the 21st night of September. And I just remember thinking mm-hmm. to myself, why is this so popular? I was like, wait, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. So it's had a lasting effect, uh, to your point, on generations, uh, so many generations after. I mean, nearly 50 years. And I will say that even though they're not on my top five, mm-hmm. big fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, yeah. Big Good fan. songs. Good yeah. songs all around. So my next uh, artist is Beyonce. I mean, what can I say about Beyonce except that she is uh, married to one of the most successful rappers and uh, one of the most recently popular genres of hip-hop and rap, which really gained prominence in the 1980s, and then went into go into my opinion, it's golden age in the 90s, and then really just blossomed to the, like the, every sort of mainstream aspect in the 2000s. And... Here's the thing. I mean, the fact that she uh, can stand out on her own in a completely separate genre, being part of, she was in Destiny's Child. She was awesome. In not Destiny's exactly. Child. <laughs> not only, not only does she have just a golden voice, she was able to work well in a group. And starting a solo career can often be very taxing on artists. A lot of the time, they're guaranteed more success. Out. Exactly. But she struck out on her own, and uh, I want to say she released Birthday in 2003 or so. Uh, I can't remember her very first album, but. From the start, she was just pushing out hits like nothing. And a lot, of, a lot of the time, people played those songs like they were released just last week. I mean, really, she has so many. And I remember when Lemonade came out, there was sort of a rebranding mm-hmm, for her, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. It gave sort of more of a feminist sort of, I, I want to say feminist, more stronger, independent type of uh, feeling uh, that I think a lot of people benefited from and a lot of people could hear in her work. She's released uh, multiple documentaries. Uh, she did Homecoming, where she took uh, a HBCU and uh, she uh, had them in her drum line and they were playing instruments behind her while she did one of her shows. And Homecoming, it's on Netflix, is really just a showcase of over 20 years of talent for mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has just gone from, she's just gone from, you know, pop to maybe songs about love, to being more independent and, you know, being confident in who you are, to sort of having, you know, a great, uh, I'd say she comes off as like a figure who's very strong with like kids too, with her children. And uh, she just also comes off as somebody just pretty, pretty confident and just very, I want to say, experienced and legendary at the end of the day. And I think the culmination and the documentary that I was watching goes to show how she not only makes herself better with each passing year, the people she surrounds herself with become better when she's working with them. Yeah. So I think she's really smart. She um, is. She, I think the whole, when Lemonade premiered as a visual album too, mm-hmm. that was, I think a new concept that just really, um, magnified the success of that yeah um i also think she's so talented that one she can go by one name yeah and everyone knows who beyonce is and two um she doesn't have to churn out top 10 singles whenever she records an album to maintain the level of um celebrity and success that she enjoys yeah there's even a name for her fans it's 
forgive me if no. I'm incorrect in pronouncing this. Since it's Beyonce, I'm guessing they call it the Beehive. Yeah, instead I think of the that's Bayhive. right. That's how I yes. read it. Yeah. So they call it the Beehive, and people are willing to swoop to her defense at a moment's notice. And I have to say that that just that just goes to show how much she means to people and how much her music has just touched legions of people my age older than me younger than me i mean she's really she's really doing the darn thing so yeah yeah no i i get it completely she's a, a tremendous talent uh, okay so my next uh performer is someone who is no longer with us mm-hmm. and that is prince yes and you mentioned earth wind and fire and the 21st of september yes so what comes to mind immediately when you think of prince purple rain when doves cry 1999 Oh, <laughs> I, that's, that's my least favorite song. Yeah, him, it's actually. one of mine too. But I mean, there's no question. There's no way anyone can question the raw talent yeah. of Prince. Was his music my favorite genre of music? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think he crossed genres, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of his music is just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. who doesn't rec- recognize When Doves Cry the minute you hear the intro? Oh, of course. I mean, it is just... And I want to sing it, but I don't want to get copy struck for this. Yeah, so. and I really don't want you to sing it here because I've heard you sing. No, no, oh, I'm very funny. Very funny. <laughs> oh, I forgot you were in the boys' choir. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> did you sing that in the boys' choir? No. no. Uh, we sing in over six different languages. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Know. Okay. But uh, Prince, again, his catalog mm-hmm. is impressive. Um, I, I heard on a podcast recently that um, he was very competitive with Michael Jackson or he wanted to achieve that same kind of success, which arguably he did, although I'm not sure anybody's music transcended the way Michael Jackson's music did. I want to say Michael Jackson did it more effortlessly, but I never felt a sense of competition. And I didn't Prince, either, so I thought seems... that was new. He just... You know, Michael Jackson, obviously incredibly talented, but, you know, Prince on the guitar, just his musicianship. Oh, it's and his unreal. his style, his Raw aesthetic. Talent. Here we go. What, what is our common theme through this entire podcast episode? Raw talent. Raw talent. Legendary legacy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, his catalog is impressive. Um, you know, Purple Rain for me was not the end-all be-all, although I know When Doves Cry came from that album. But right. I frankly never even saw that movie. Um, that but, was a movie? When Doves Purple Cry? Rain? No, oh, no, I know Purple movie. Rain. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, but I've never seen the movie. But, um, you know, other songs like Kiss. I mean, I, I, used, I, to, I used to hate that song. I, that I, is I my really favorite did. song by Prince. Well, now it's my favorite song by Prince. I guess we really don't differ that right. much. But it's just so catchy, you know? It's so catchy, but it's so different it than is. anything you hear on the radio. His voice was so high. And sometimes when an artist comes out with a sound that is unlike anything you've heard before, mm-hmm. um, it's... It's something you don't forget. I'm going to liken it to somebody from the 90s, maybe the 2000s. I'll tell probably you. Probably 2000s. Justin Timberlake. Uh, 90s with NSYNC, 2000s with, uh, I think, his first one, Justified. That was, that well, was yeah. 2001. But yeah. I'm thinking the song, the the, the tune, mm-hmm. the, the way Sexy Back yes. is just unlike anything you had ever heard up to that point in time. That's, That's what I'm saying Prince's Kiss uh-huh. was like. For us in the 80s. Interesting. At least as I recall. Interesting. Because yeah. not much is shocking anymore or no, new. No. Uh, especially now. Uh, especially when you get younger. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it's interesting to me just to... You can't really feel these... Everything is so such a sens- ugh, sensory overload yeah. now. Yeah. You don't feel like 
you don't feel like you know you're being stimulated by violence anymore or it's just like something you saw on the internet again which but, is a concern to me no of, of course and that's sort of uh that's sort of the curse of uh i want to say the internet age but at the same time um I, I, I kind of wish I could unsee things or unhear things sometime mm-hmm. and then listen or watch them again. And I think for Prince, uh, the first time I ever heard his music, and that was uh, Wind Doves Cry, I, I wish I could hear that again for the first time. So that's... Yeah. Great, great song, great catalog, raw talent, um, tragic loss. Yeah, really tragic loss. Um, so uh, finally, I have uh, my next person and or should I say, uh, ensemble. And this is Maroon 5. Uh, say what you will, Maroon 5 released songs about Jane in 2001. They, they have been around for a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, it won't be soon before long in 2006 or seven, Which is kind of a great title for any song. Exactly. Uh, and then they released, uh, I want to say, Misery or Hands All Over was the album. But they have just pervasively in the last 20 years been such a success adam levine especially and uh you were just talking about prince i saw adam levine's cover mm-hmm. of purple rain in 2016 uh when he died and i mean he's incredible on guitar yeah. i mean i think he's a lot more talented than you would than think people think yeah you know he's a judge now he's sort of in hollywood you know he's been on the cover of men's health he's more of a celebrity now than maybe the face of maroon five but yeah. maroon five themselves have if if you want to say they sold out, I mean, to an extent, I can understand that. But, I mean, they've been releasing hit after hit after hit. And I think they were more popular than ever um, in 2014 through 2017 mm-hmm. than they had been previously. I also think him being on The Voice and that being such a, a popular show mm-hmm. extended their, yeah. their longevity. Yeah, but uh, overall, I'm pretty amazed that they've lasted this long. And my honorable mention uh, goes to Eminem. Eminem is. Oh, you didn't tell me we have an honorable mention. I did uh, a week ago, actually. Uh, (laughs) Well, uh, I'm in my fifties. I can't remember. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) So uh, my honorable mention is Eminem, uh, one of the top selling artists of all time. The only reason why I kind of was at odds with Maroon Five and Eminem is because Eminem has released two, like very underperforming albums. Revival is the opposite of a revival album. It is horrendous. And Kamikaze, some people really enjoyed that album. Still wasn't very strong. There was one or two songs on there that people really enjoyed. And he released another album uh, recently in 2019. Probably shouldn't say the title, but it's <laughs> it was a lot better. But he's kind of in this limbo now. You know his golden years are behind him. He's got another album out now, doesn't he? Uh, he released a deluxe version of the oh, album. Okay. He released in uh, 20. Uh, 19 or 2020 but um I, I have to say eminem he had his peak with recovery i'd say uh-huh. because that's when he just blew up again uh-huh. but he hasn't necessarily he's had hits he's had big hits since then but you can tell he's sort of waning and i just don't see that end insight for maroon 5 mm-hmm. so like i gotta say eminem one of the artists of the generation i still like listening to eminem but you know Sometimes when you mention his name, people just kind of roll their eyes. Yeah. And, you know, that's not really the test of uh, artists of the generation. I'm just really glad Eminem has never had an explicit album. Okay, moving on to my last <laughs> um, artist of, of the top five artists of the 80s. I'm going to have to go with another dearly departed mm-hmm. um, superstar, Whitney Houston. Yeah. Um, arguably the best voice in music history. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Oh, in certainly. In the opinion of many people, a tragic story um of she was 49 i think celebrity 
yeah. uh, and drugs, and it's a story we hear over and over and have seen over and over and over again. But there's no question, I Will Always Love You, which really wasn't until the 90s. Yeah. it was the Bodyguard soundtrack. But I Want to Dance with Somebody, um, I Have Nothing, How Will I Know. The two albums that she released, 1985, Whitney Houston, and 1987, Whitney, um, spawned so many hits. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't even hit her peak until 92 right. with the Bodyguard soundtrack. So, yeah. um I think she had five number one hits. She was the first female artist in history to have five number one hits, and that was off the album Whitney, I believe. Yes. Um, And when you think... What about Madonna? um, I don't know that she ever had five number one hits off an album. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Now, Mariah Carey may have, but I don't think Madonna has ever had five number one hits off one album. I know she has. Mariah Carey was after Whitney Houston, though, right? Yeah, Yeah, she was... She became. She was more of a '90s. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Um, and Christmas apparently. But anyway, all <laughs> that said, um, Whitney Houston, uh, a, a a life cut way too short, a level of talent like I think no one has ever seen or heard since her, and I think, un, uh, sadly, it wasn't long after the Bodyguard soundtrack where her lifestyle choices mm-hmm. um, compromised her singing voice. Of course. And, you know, the comeback that was um, attempted um, was cut short by her death. Kind of like Michael Jackson. Yeah. I mean, he was attempting a comeback. This uh, is it, album. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah was when the final he tour. fell victim to, to, um, to the drug. So, unfortunately, but all that is to say, if you think about the artists that I've named, Madonna, and uh, Prince, and Bruce Springsteen, Mm. and Whitney Houston, and the other artists I named, (laughs) they defined, (laughs) that's why we do this by generation, Um, (laughs) they defined the 80s for me, and honestly, and we will talk about this in other podcasts, um, a lot of these songs are on my uh, playlists for running. Uh, it was Michael Jackson, by the way. I can't believe I forgot Michael Jackson. The King of Pop. Yeah, of course. Okay. The person we've been talking about literally this entire time. Right. Literally. <laughs> literally this entire time. This entire time. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I know that we want to keep our shows at 45 minutes or under, but we might go a little bit over today. We have one final segment so that you can peek into our lives or into our eardrums, uh, rather. This is what the music that we listen to on a daily basis, or just the kind of music that we particularly enjoy. Now, I listen to most of my music when I'm running or when I'm with friends, and, you know, it's just kind of in the background. But for me, music hasn't... I can't really sit down sometimes, like when I'm doing nothing or doing work, and listen to music, and I know a lot of people can do that. But I find I'm at my best when I'm exercising and listening to music, or maybe my friends and I are just like, having a dance party or just like, you know, having fun listening to music uh, somewhere else. But for me, I have to say that uh, metal and rock and probably alternative uh, pop are my favorite genres completely. I mean, it's just a way to pump you up, especially when you're working out. Uh, I Sometimes I envision myself when I'm listening to this music, like I'm at the show and it kind of just, you know, especially with this year and everything that's happened, um, tired cliche, I know. It. I want to be at concerts, you know? I want to be there to experience that. And I think listening to these artists and just hearing the raw intensity and just sometimes, you know, chaotic or even just melodic, you know, what put together songs, it gives me 
that extra push to go the extra mile to get running that day, you know, just to feel good and just like feel strong while I'm running. And so that's something I really like. Uh, I would say rock music. I got into it with Guitar Hero and you introduced a few rock songs to me, I believe before. Mm-hmm. Um, if, uh, you know, ones that sort of leaned pop, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, they lean, they lean pop. I'm not anti-rock. I just tend to like pop songs. No, of course. And I, I, I my music taste shifted from straight up pop songs, you know, the stuff, uh, you know, my dad had shown my brother and I over the years to Guitar Hero 3, which became more rock based, you know, classic rock, uh, Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses, uh, there was, uh, Nirvana, you know, all, all of these artists, you know, spanning, you know, probably the last 30, 40 years. And then it moved on to uh, hard rock with Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave and Tool and, you know, more complex rock. And, you know, I've listened to now more metal, Pantera, Slipknot, both uh, started in the 90s. And I find that that is just, it almost relaxes me. Slipknot strangely. scares me. I'm just going to put it out there. Well, that's the whole thing. That's their image, you know? It's supposed to be, like, raw, intense. But, you know, the more interviews you watch uh, with them, which you won't, uh, the more interviews <laughs> you watch and the more, you know, you read about them, you understand them more. And I think on a face value, they're meant to shock. They're meant to yeah, sort like of... like corn? Corn, yeah, to an extent. Corn isn't even... Uh, they're classified as new metal, which oh. was early 2000s, popular in the early 2000s and late 90s. Um, but I, it... <laughs> Slipknot is just one of those bands where they're actually a lot better than you think, and they've got their masks, but that's the whole thing. They wanted to shock people. There's nothing like that at the time, so, you know, the press started circulating, you know? Somebody listened to a Slipknot song, and a bad thing happened. Was it Slipknot's fault? And they've been doing this for years, you know? They blamed it on video games, they blamed it on movies, they blamed it on music. Um, So I, I, I find that all of their work is pretty intense, and, you know, some of it is some of it's hard to listen to but some of it's just really really good stuff so i mean anything from van halen to guns and roses van halen to rage against machine from the 80s i love van halen (laughs) i like some from the 70s and then the 80s yeah okay i can't stand jump but overall i'm more of a rock and metal person i could talk about this to synthesizer and jump and then it would have made it better (laughs) (laughs) they used a lot of that (laughs) yeah but that's the kind of music that i listen to while running and while you run from what you've told me, I don't know how much variation you have in your music, but at least you really love what you listen to. I do. First mm-hmm. of all, I have to say this. It's ironic that, maybe not ironic, but it's funny to me that you told our listeners that you that we would keep this podcast to 45 minutes in our first episode. This is only our second episode, and we haven't even posted the first episode as we record the second one. What can I say? <laughs> I love talking about myself. Yeah, this is, this is, this is sort of natural. Um, that is true. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to like to listen to uh, the same playlists over and over and over. Part of it is, I'm not because the same song is on at every point, you know, mm-hmm. like mile one, mile two, mile three, mm-hmm. mile 15. No, I'm just kidding. I don't run 15 miles anymore. But all of that is to say, I do tend to find a playlist mm-hmm. and play it to death. Right. Uh, and it's all 80s. And it was usually an 80s mix. There were a couple of 80s mixes, one that I created and mm-hmm. one that I found. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They were very similar. So I stopped shaking them up and just used the ones that I, the one that I made. So for me, it's just, um, uh, you know, in my head, I used to not listen to music mm-hmm. when I ran yeah. or worked out. Uh, but I do now because um, 
it distracts me a little bit. And frankly, if I'm singing in my head, it makes it go a little bit faster. I can't so, hear myself breathing when I'm running. That is exactly why I listen to music. The other morning, I didn't mm-hmm. have my AirPods, as I told you. Yeah. And so I had to run without music. And I oh, thought look it was at this guy be, over here with the AirPods. It was going to be terrible. <laughs> um, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And sometimes I listen to podcasts. Maybe I'll listen to us mm-hmm. while I'm running. You never know. Um, but the, my, the difference for me is that I tend to find something I like and go with it repeatedly. Sometimes to the point where I'm sick of it, mm-hmm. but then I can shake it up and do something a little bit different, but not stray from the 80s because the 80s is where music is for me. Well, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because for the most part, since I started running in 2012, my music taste and sort of song rotation hasn't really changed all that much. I've got about 100 or 200 songs, which I kind of just listen to ad nauseum, sort of in that ballpark. And occasionally a new artist will come along. I listen to the same 30. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But it's it's, it's interesting to me because um, I like uh, Queens of the Stone Age, for example. I don't like them. I love them. But they kind of came into my running playlist around 2017 or so. And they're somebody I should have listened to a long time ago. I love their style of music. It can go from not pop, but it can go from rock, rock-esque pop to alternative to, you know, a little bit of metal to hard rock to just regular sort of even, um, I want to say, uh, it's called, uh, they sort of popularized the genre called desert music. Mm. Yeah. So, I've um, heard that. well, uh, the lead singer, Josh Homme, he's, uh, from the desert, like around Joshua tree, mm-hmm. uh, area. And so they also popularized stoner rock is what it's called because you know california has that reputation and everything so i don't understand <laughs> but tool has also been labeled as stoner rock and i kind of like reading the behind the scenes like stories of yeah, these songs and these artists because i get really hung up and interested on just the smallest details yeah and I you think do that's i just what, want to hear the song well no which is a great thing because it just shows the disparity and like what uh, music means to us individually. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just like I think about the songs and the facts and about who was on, who was on this album, who guest starred, like who was part of this. And I, you know, I love listening to rap on occasion too. But it just, I see so much, I see so much culture of po- the culture of pop culture is truly amazing to me mm-hmm. because all those small details, all those fun facts, it kind of goes into the song, makes me appreciate it more. And sometimes I'll listen to the same song after having learned something and have a renewed appreciation for it. So um, I know you love Duran Duran. What is, you have your Duran Duran playlist. What to you stands out about them besides the fact that they're just catchy? Or is that it? Yeah, they're they're catchy. Actually, you're right. Recently, I've been listening to the This Is Duran Duran playlist on mm-hmm. Spotify. And um, frankly, I listen to it because most of the songs on there are not the hits that you remember. I mean, there mm-hmm. are the hits, and I appreciate the fact that I heard Notorious the day on my run. Yeah. But um, but you hear a lot of songs that you don't know. Yeah. Uh, now I know them because I've listened to them a lot. Yeah. But um, I think, frankly, that they are a much stronger band than mm-hmm. we give them credit for. Simon right. Bond's voice has a lot of range. Yeah. They've recently done a cover... Um, of a David Bowie song that I think is really um, showy Space in a positive oddity? way. No, uh, Five Days. Um, I don't think I know that one. Yeah, I didn't know it either, but I really like it. And then I listened to the David Bowie version. Right. You know, another icon from the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
and 70s, who's mm -hmm. no longer with us. Yeah. And I um, really have gained an, a, a pretty strong appreciation for their ability. Now, some of the songs, I mean, who, who can explain Union of the Snake and those lyrics? Or The Reflex? Yeah, yeah, but it's a lonely child, so it's okay. It's oh. waiting in the dark. See, you know that, See, that and I don't. Sense. Yes, you right. you know that, and I don't. And I don't that, know what that means, but it works for me. Exactly. But yeah, I, I, Duran Duran is so good. I, I even, not a lot of people love this album, but Red Carpet Massacre is a great album. And there's only the one song off that album that's on this mix of like 45 songs. Yeah, it's it's so forgotten yeah. about. And that's that's the same way for me. I And then I never hear it. Yeah, I like I like popular music. I don't necessarily listen to top 40 anymore, but I'll listen to almost anything as long as it sounds good. Yeah. But there is a certain type of thing I gravitate towards when it's associated with an activity that I do often. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll listen to house music and EDM with my friends. But when I come home, I want to listen to more alternative rock or maybe a little bit of metal or even grunge because that's kind of the stuff I like. It's just the stories behind those artists uh, and just the feeling of, you know, what if I got to see them or what if I could have seen them when they were alive? That speaks to me so much. And I think that kind of helps me with my motivation. It's just hearing one great thing and helping me do something great for myself. I'll say two more quick things before we sign off. Uh, one is it's interesting to hear you talk about wanting to see artists in person. Mm -hmm. I have been to a few concerts in my mm -hmm. um, adolescence yeah. and, and, and 20s. I haven't been to a concert since my 20s and I don't miss them at all. Um, I, I, for me, they never sound the same because they're not the same, right? They're live versions of the song. Yeah. And two, I'm kind of tall, and if I stand up, I block people behind me. And not that I'm in the front row ever; I'm always in the you know nosebleed seats. But but well, it that makes be a it problem, an right? uncomfortable um, situation for me. So I would rather hear the the version that I'm familiar with in my head. Um, the other thing I'll say is, which is unusual because we've got really good friends who go to concerts all the time and they were going to see Pat Benatar and, you know, people who, yeah. who were big in the eighties, who are like my age now, uh -huh. friends of ours who are our, our age right. that will go to move, to go to, you know, see here journey or right. foreigner. And I think, ah, oh, that would be so fun. Mm -hmm. But their voices aren't the same that they once were. And although I did hear Pat Benatar on on something recently, and she sounded awfully good. The last thing I'll say is um, I'm also a big fan of '80s soft rock, <laughs> which. But don't laugh because okay, I was okay. a fan of '80s soft rock in the '80s. <laughs> okay, I'm not. Uh, you know what? It's it's different. Just because somebody prefers one thing doesn't mean that it's objectively bad. It's music is entirely I appreciate subjective. Non-judgmental facial expression right now. No, no, of course. I I just I know for me some of the music I listen to is completely unlistenable to some people. So I'll respect the fact some that if people, somebody I can't imagine who those people would be. Probably like 97 like percent of the population. 52 year olds. <laughs> But regardless, I, you know, I think I think that's the beautiful thing about liking yeah. music because, in a way, ex with, except for some of the gatekeepers, I think music is kind of the great unifier because you don't I have, think you're right. You don't have to like the same kind of stuff, but if you like music, which most people do, you can talk about some interests that you have or some sort of thing that you like about it, and eventually you'll come to a place to where you know two people can actually share some sort of interest or some sort of wonderful fact about a passion they mm -hmm, enjoy mm -hmm. so that was the point of this episode and i think that we've been able to mostly you know discuss that i've known about my dad's listening habits but on a more personal level i don't think that we had discussed mine as much or we had really talked in depth about that mm -hmm. 
But thank you very much for listening. I think my dad has one more. Yeah, thing. we should do a mini episode um, on how the music industry has changed. Oh yeah, since the eighties. Oh yeah. And frankly, why? Well, the people that we have named, mm-hmm. their net worth is is unbelievable. It's off the charts. Hundreds of millions. Right. But artists today. It's a very different story. We should talk about that at another point in time. I definitely you know. Oh, you, you don't want, want to go so. for 30 more minutes? I, I, the listener doesn't want to go for <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much. This is our second episode. Uh, we'll be back with more later on. We just got to get our episodes released. But that's going to be non-relevant once you're listening to this, <laughs> of course. But uh, thank you so much once again. Uh, we want to be able to talk about things that both we enjoy and that our audience enjoys. So uh, if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about, we'll be able to connect with you on social media or just talk to us on Facebook. But in the meantime, I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And, and this you have been listening to ZZ, ZZ Talk. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do better on that one. <laughs>